Welcome to the Mariners Review. My guest for today is someone who I envisioned having on this podcast before I even knew I wanted to have a podcast. Is that fair? <laughs> it's Jamie Attenberg. She is the New York Times bestselling author of five novels, including The Middlesteens and St. Maisie. She's contributed essays about sex, urban life, and food to the New York Times Magazine, the Wall Street Journal, the Guardians, and Long Reads, along with other publications. And then this broke my heart because I was getting um, your bio off of Amazon, and it said that you divide your time between New York and New Orleans, but really you kind of you're kind of just down there. It actually sounds cooler if I divide my time between two cities. Right. I'm so, you're I, like, that's bye. my regret. Yeah. Is that it doesn't sound cool anymore. It's just one city. Although New Orleans is, if you're going to live somewhere besides New York, New Orleans yeah. is a good place. Yeah. Well, we miss you up here. Thanks. And we like it when you come back. You guys are really the only reason why I come back. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, you have a book to promote. I now. do have a book to promote, but uh, we should mention Jamie's latest novel is called All This Could Be Yours. And Kirkus uh, had, has this just like beautiful, beautiful little blurb for you. Mm. They called you the patron saint of dysfunctional families. And like, get that on your gravestone. I mean, like, <laughs> it's really good. I've never been anything. So <laughs> <laughs> I will take that for sure. Um yeah, and so, and then like people started picking up on it, and then it was like she's the queen of dysfunctional families. <laughs> I was like, yes, just keep going, everyone. It sounds really good. Yeah, it does. Yeah, right? it's a very extremely made up title that I will take with me forever. But you ha you you have this, like within your own body of work, right? Like you have like a mini genre of of exploring dysfunctional families. I mean, I think all all of my books contain sure. dysfunctional families, but some yes. of them are more focused on it than others. Like the Middlesteens and this book are really, there's a family story at its core. Right. Whereas I think Maisie and um, All Grown Up are maybe more about the the, the single, the solitary woman yeah. at, the, at the center of those stories, but they still have fucked up families. Yeah, of so. course they do. Yeah. All families are kind of fucked All up. All family... That's a, that's a good Jamie quote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look look it up on Goodreads later. <laughs> Says Jamie Attenberg. Tell me about Living in New Orleans and writing a book that's set there. Um, well, I I love living in New Orleans, um, and I am glad that I did it. And 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 every time I come back to New York, even if I have a really great time here, I think I know that I made the right decision by leaving here. I lived here for eighteen years. Yeah. Um, I would say that it took me a couple years to um, figure out a way to write about New Orleans because mm -hmm. um, I had to get to know it better. Like I could write about New York. For, forever. Right. Like, 10 years from now, I could still write about New York City because I lived here so long and I saw it change and it was really in my blood. But New Orleans is like, um, every, like everyone who lives there, myself included, feels very protective of it. Mm -hmm. And we want, you know, you want sort of want the best for it and to do it, to do it justice in all of its, you know, beautiful and complicated glory. Right. Because it's not, certainly not a perfect place to live. Right. So I kind of, I was just I don't know. I was just kind of waiting to figure out what that story was going to be. And I actually was writing two. I usually write now. I usually write two books at the same time. I know. And so I was writing kind of this ghosty story at the same time as I started writing this story. Yes. And then uh, usually what happens is one eats the other. And so this one ate the, <laughs> ate the other one. Um, uh, but I, you know, my, my trick to it was that I, 
is that a lot of the characters in this book are outsiders yeah. or, or new in town or have moved are not um native New Orleanians. And so that was like kind of my way in. And then as I started writing the book, more native New Orleanian voices started popping up. But I was I was it was the only way I could start to write the book. Was right. just starting from a place that I knew. And it, so it it's told in the voice of uh, a variety of different members of generations of one family. Mm-hmm. And the patriarch who has just moved to New Orleans, how long has he been there? I feel like it's – now I can't remember, of course, because I wrote it so long ago. But I think it's like it, – I think they moved there like a year and a half ago, something like that. Okay. From the present time of the book, yeah. And this is not a spoiler to say that uh, – he has a massive heart attack. <laughs> it's in the first two pages. Yeah. So, so, so the family gathers, right? Or not gathers? Or not gathers? Yes. As as the case may be. Yeah. But they all sort of have to contend with who he was and his impact on them. But the book is not centered around him. No. At all. I mean, he's in it, but it's really about. I was more interested in showing the impact that he had. Yeah. On. Um, particularly on the women in his family and kind of, I mean, I was just interested in how uh, that kind of toxic male behavior mm-hmm. impacts generations to come. I have a note that just says toxic mask. <laughs> <laughs> Not like a face mask. No, no. To no. make you look dewy and young. No. no. <laughs> Withered and sad. Right. <laughs> tell, tell me though a little bit about, so Victor is the name of of, of mm. the patriarch, and I I think more so than in any of your other writing, he's like a true villain. He's a bad guy. I tried really hard to figure out all so many of these characters I didn't like, and I was trying to figure out like a way to access them and right and, or be sympathetic towards them or have compassion towards them. And I feel like there were like a couple of moments in the book where I could sort of see him being a little gentler or yes. that, you know, he was able, he tried to connect a tiny, tiny, yes, tiny little bit um, with his family, um, particularly with his daughter, less so with his son. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, he saw, he's really he bad. Sucks. I've never, yeah, I've never really had like a pure evil character, but that's, that's who showed up. And that's who needed to be dealt with. I mean, I'm so sorry to use this adjective, but like it, he does seem timely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, what I was really interested in writing about when I started the book truly mm-hmm. purely was mm-hmm. I was interested in family secrets. I was interested in somebody dying and nobody grieving this person's death. Right. Um, I was interested in, um, you know, People kind of gossiping a little bit. Like I'm always interested in gossip. You know me. I'm always interested. <laughs> we have a session. I like the dirt. Every time I like you're the, in town. I like the dirt. Um, but I was. Um, I didn't know really who he. I kind of knew. Kind of knew who he was. But I again, I was so m- much more interested in the the women in the family more than anything. In fact, when I started the book, it was just going to be women. There was going to be no male voices at all. Right. And very slowly, they sort of worked their way in and insisted on being heard. But. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it was just uh, I. I think it was unavoidable that um, because it's set present tense mm-hmm. that I was sort of filtering what was going on in the world. Mm-hmm. But my books don't work uh, without 
good, char- real, true yeah. characters. And um, and so I try not to be too preachy in this book and to just like let them speak for themselves and for me to try to uncover who they were. Yeah. And I mean, Barbara, mm-hmm. without an A. The, regal, much, the royal spelling. The, the royal Streisand spelling. <laughs> yes. I really have – like people are like, are you sure that's how – I'm like, that's how Barbara – Streisand spells it, so that's how we're spelling it. Indeed. She really is like, she starts out as kind of, I would say, symbolic almost of what uh, an ideal femininity from another era. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, she was wife material for Victor because he wanted a good girl. Right. Yes. Um, and she resisted him for a yeah, she resisted him for a long time until he sort of took her and made her his. Um, but he represented something to her too. Sure. Right? Sure. He represented a kind of security, mm-hmm. a financial security. I mean, you know, the book is called All This Could Be Yours and it's <laughs> it's about – a lot of it is about having shiny objects. Right. And she likes – she likes shiny. she likes shiny objects, so she made choices. I mean, I, I, I to me, critiquing him or, or he's so the le- I mean, he's interesting enough because I I put him in my book, yeah. but he's the least interesting character to me out of all of the characters because we already know in a way. Yes, he's not an archetype, but like right, he's bad. He's a bad guy, um, and she is more is way more interesting to me. If there's yes. if there's sort of an antihero in this book, it's her. Yes, rather than him. That's what that's what I was concerned with. I didn't really want to make him into an antihero. I didn't want to spend any any more time no. on him. No, I no, want, no, no. Her, she was the one that I was was really interested in. And and I there's you know a reference to The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because of course he loves that show. Of course, he's from New Jersey. He's a tough guy in his way, not in the same way that Tony Soprano right was a tough guy, but um, he was he's a physically th- threatening person who makes his own rules and so he would like to think that he is the lead character in his own mm. life mm-hmm. yeah he's um i'm so glad i put him in a coma though <laughs> <laughs> you never have to like, really hear him talk in real time yeah That's, what a delight <laughs> i i feel like i even remember when you started writing this book you were like I'm making someone a bad man suffer. <laughs> like the, the first, I was like, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, please. I, you know, it makes me nervous because I hate to be like kind of irresponsible about it because I don't think he's a one note character. No, at, at all. But I don't want to. Um, it's just weird to have a have a bad character. And even I like the first line of the book is really me. The, a couple of times I sort of break in and I have, right. which I do anyway in all, you my, do, you in do. all my work, but it's me like, you know, describing him as like a bad man and an angry man and he's pacing. I can't even remember the line and I wrote it, but, um, and it's definitely me talking and saying, this is who this guy is. And right. He's, he's shown up and he's ready for, for business right yeah. now. Yeah. To be dealt with. To be dealt with. <laughs> it's really, there's a lot of wish fulfillment in this book, as dark as, as it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I know we can't talk about it, though, because... No, we'll, we'll, No spoilers. We won't have spoilers. Yeah. But I do love the, the other idea that you put forth pretty early in the process, if I'm right, is um, two sisters-in-law sitting on the roof 
deck at the pool of a hotel. Yeah. And trying to find some common ground. It's true. And and co- talking about your family, gossiping yeah. about your family is definitely that common ground. That was the first scene that I saw in the book. Yeah. And then I and now it's chapter six in there, but it was originally it was chapter one forever. And in mm-hmm. fact, I read from it, I think at like at my paperback party yeah, yeah, at, yeah. at Books for Magic like two years ago. And I was like, I think this is my new book. This is uh-huh. sort of like the very beginning of it. And it was and that was the scene that I read from. And um and it stayed. It was the beginning of the book for like a really long time. And then one of the drafts was read by Maria Semple. And she was she was kind of like, you need a little something more before this to give it a like more movement, I mm-hmm. think. I, th- I mean, I'm probably misquoting her, but I, I know she was – she and I kind of resisted it at first. And then I was like, all right, well, let me see what it looks like if I have a, a little bit before. And then that's how kind of – Part of how the book got structured the way that it does is, is that it's set most of it over the course of a day, obviously. Yes. But there's a before and there's an after, and it's literally those sections are called just before. And I don't remember what the last yeah. one is, but you know, um, yeah, I ha- there are a couple of um, people who gave me notes that were really crucial. Maria was one of them. Laura Vandenberg was another person who maybe read the fourth draft. I feel like Maria read like the third draft, and maybe Laura <laughs> read the fourth draft. And Laura was like, oh, you kind of need to lean in more because there's all these tertiary characters in the book. And she said, you should lean into it a little bit more and give, make them a little more fully realized. They're very, they're all kind of like little pieces of flash fiction in the book. But so I I love that though, that you kind of set the main narrative aside a little bit in order to, I I think an essential fact about the Tuckman family is they're (laughs) self-absorbed and they would never notice the other people around them. That's right. That's right. But it was, um, you know, it's usually like, um, like a bartender at a bar or a nurse in the hospital or that kind of thing. And, um, and it's like a relief for me as a writer when I write those moments where I can take it, where I can take a step back and like, and offer a different gaze to the scene. Right. and also just like not necessarily be like often they're funny moments. Yep. Um and in maybe like in a, in a not funny scene. Oh yes. Right. So it's it's an opportunity for comic relief, it's an opportunity for me- relief, emotional relief. Um because we don't always want to be I don't I mean I don't I like all I liked writing all the characters and I think they're all fun to read but they also are um super intense because they're dealing with yeah they're dealing with like grief yeah which even if they didn't like the person still yeah they're still grieving yeah the death of someone close to them yeah i really started getting into the character of twyla um who among us is not twyla I mean, but but that's isn't that the point? Like she is so other. I I feel like I'm sitting across from you. We're both wearing our black glasses, mm-hmm. and we're both kind of into books mm-hmm. and intellectual discussions. But we both put on our lipstick. But you put on your lipstick even before sitting down to talk to me in the podcast. And you put on your lipstick at home before we left to ride the subway. And Twyla is like everything that feels other to me, Southern and blonde. And I mean, 
Yes. Who doesn't love a good CVS? Yeah. But see, that's like, you know, setting her there. Mm-hmm. She sort of ha- – she like has this moment where she's – or like a very long chapter where she's walking through a CVS and she's just filling her cart with lipsticks and other kinds of things. And she's kind of having this meltdown in the CVS. And I feel like lots of people have that kind of meltdown. And that makes her – Accessible, maybe even yeah. more accessible yeah. than most of the other characters in the book. I think that's probably true because that's because having like CBSs are made for nervous breakdowns. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're designed. Yes, yes. <laughs> like anything you need, like you go in there, you're like, I'm sick, right? And then and then it, and then there's more things to like. Heal. You're sort of like you're sick when you walk in the door. Let's put it that way. Yes, and it, it's. I mean. As you um, kind of continued living in New York um, and then moved, like, we've watched the city change even more into, like, a Dwayne Reed, CVS, like, extravaganza. Yes. <laughs> which which kind of, I think, says a lot about the city. <laughs> we don't – I mean, we have them in New Orleans, but they're more like of these – they're like anchors, kind of. Right. Um, and I suppose they're – I mean, I don't know enough because I haven't lived there long enough, so I don't know the history. I don't know the history of all these CVSs. Um, oh, my gosh, though I wish I did know all the histories of all the CVSs. Please. Oh, sorry, that was like I got just got like really excited about writing, <laughs> writing that book because um, I'm so fascinated with – I mean, it's so American and I love American things. Um, anyway, uh, so they're sort of more spread out, but you right. always – you know – you always know there's one co- coming, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and certainly, like, in at least in New York City, I have cried in a variety of drugstores. Yes, for so many, there's so many there's different There's so many of, different reasons. Yes. So, um, and I think Twyla is like, there's like a couple of places that I put her where um, all she has to do is just be there and have her memories. But the there's there's just like a... Like she's in a casino at some mm-hmm. point. Like they they sort of just trigger things in their Americanness, mm-hmm. and um, and so I I don't I think in a way she's like she's really the most um accessible character. I I think I don't know if she's the most likable. But I've had so many women contact me who've read the book and say I don't tell anyone, but I'm I'm a, I, I'm a Twyla or whatever. And and by that that you they you think they mean like I will buy. 20 tubes of lipstick to make myself feel better right. on a bad day. Right. Or um their relationship with men, which we don't we don't need to get into right, here, right, but right. the the way that that um mm-hmm. she reacts to men because she's not somebody that I wouldn't we would necessarily describe as a feminist. No. Um and then there's Alex, of course, her sister-in-law. Yeah. Her husband's sister. I don't know why I needed to clarify that for you, <laughs> for the listeners, yes, I guess. Yeah. Um, and Alex feels a little more like someone I kind of know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's a lawyer. Um, she does pro bono, a lot of pro bono work, and she is divorced. And her husband is very handsome and had lots of affairs. Everyone has had. had it's a very. It's probably my most salacious yeah book and 
uh, and like plot heavy book that I've ever, that I've ever written. I kind of wanted to like make things happen because my last book was like very like tiny little emotional. All grown up. Yeah. It was like a lot of little emotional moments. And this one I was like, let's see what, so that's why I'm all like, every time I do an interview, I'm like, oh my gosh, don't tell anyone anything. Don't ruin the surprise because I never have those moments where people (laughs) go, and I have that a couple of those moments here. I didn't know I had it in me to do it. Now I want to do more. Oh, good. Like moments, but it's easy to do those moments when you're, when characters are kind of trashy. (laughs) (laughs) All grown up is just still one of my all time favorites. And the idea that your heroine was quote unquote unlikable makes me so angry. (laughs) Were you conscious of that at all in shaping these characters of being likable or unlikable Uh I mean I just I it's just how I feel Mm -hmm. it's always just how I feel and what I have to say because I'm gonna write that first draft Mm -hmm. and I don't worry about what anyone else thinks because that first draft is just for me Mm -hmm. and then as I go through the editing process my editor might say can you cut this character a little slack or right you're being a little unfair you're being a little you know a little judgmental or something like that but I don't know. I think people, we're all like, we all have our days where we're unlikable. Yeah. So I'm, I'm okay with, I'm okay with it. I think that, I mean, I recognize that it is an unfair critique that mostly women seem to get about their characters where people say it's unlikable, they're unlikable and like, who cares? It doesn't matter. And it's, it's sexist you know, if it's a female character and if it were a male character, they could just do whatever they want and that kind of thing. The other side of it, which is maybe an unpopular opinion, but I believe is true, is that you can, whatever you want to get at, whatever kind of book you like to read, you should just read it. Yeah. Like. That's true. I personally like, don't always like to like read something dark or read something or watch a movie that's like super serious like I might just only want to watch romantic comedies for like ever and that's there's nothing wrong and there's nothing wrong with that so like maybe somebody doesn't want to read about like a super fucked up dark family and like a dying man and like family members who like need to like grieve in a really weird and kind (laughs) of weird and and funny and awkward way um they that that might not be of interest to them because they would rather read something lighter or simpler or whatever. And so I don't I don't actually like hold that grudge against people, but I do sort of hold that grudge if they are reading it with bad faith or right knowing and, they don't like it. Like don't like leave me out of it if you <laughs> if it's not your type of book. So I mean, I I think that's why I love the cover of this book so much. Because you, it, it's a little bleak. It's it's a little funny, mm-hmm. but it's a little bleak. And I don't think you could pick this one up and, and say, like, oh, I just want something light and breezy. It is bright orange. It is bright orange. But maybe too bright, too, like a little, like, alarmingly bright. <laughs> Warning. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I think that it's smartly packaged in, in a way that, might signal that, you know, there are 
more chill books yeah, <laughs> elsewhere. It's smart. It's smarts, right? Like it's like a little bit of a – it stings a little bit. I mean, I think my books are funny, but I also recognize that like there's just been so many times in my life where I'll be giving a reading and people will kind of do this weird half laugh, like a nervous laugh at like, <laughs> like at a punchline. And I, I, I've just heard it so many times. And frankly, I've heard it my entire life just like in conversation with me where people are like, is, huh. this, is this funny? And it's like, it's funny if you think it's funny. Right. Like it's – and it's sad if you think it's sad. Right. And it doesn't really it, – it in a way doesn't matter what I think. It matters what you take away from it and what and what you want to get out of it. Oh, my gosh. But, Jamie. What? <laughs> do, do I have to ask you about – Jewish humor now? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have to talk um, I'm always really bad at answering the Jewish questions I found lately. <laughs> I don't know how to answer them other than I, – I, except that it's like it's in me. So – Right. Like I am Jewish. Right. But also I don't contemplate my Jewishness in a way that um, people who are usually asking me about my Jewishness right. do. And so I never really know how to – I never know what they want. And I and I think also when I'm like being interviewed, I want to like please people. I mean I will tell – I'm not going to lie. I'll always tell the truth. But I always want to be able to respond to the questions that are asked of me like with good intentions and, and be really honest and truthful. And when people ask me about Jewishness, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Like I just know that it's – you know, I mean, I guess I would say I'm culturally Jewish, but I never, I never know. Although I should add, and perhaps we can put this in the show notes, that one of my favorite pictures ever taken of all time, I would say, <laughs> is is when our dogs and Jason Diamond's dog, and we all gathered to to meet Santa. Right. We are culturally. Taking pictures with Santa. That's right. We're culturally enjoying <laughs> the opportunities that New York City provides us and our dogs. Yes. Which is very Jewish thing to do. Yes. So it just happened to be Santa. It is like the greatest picture ever. Yeah. I don't know. I, I do also, I like love coming back to New York because there are Jews in New Orleans, mm. but a lot of my friends there, I mean, all my friends here are are Jewish or Jewish like adjacent, I would say, <laughs> yeah. which like because basically all of New York is yeah 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 potentially Jewish adjacent yes. and um and in New Orleans it's definitely that is not the case and so when I come back here there's always this like lovely shorthand that I have also because I've known all you guys for years and right, years right, but right. there's this lovely shorthand where I just don't even have to think about it and people are gonna get right. they're gonna know to laugh. Right. They don't have any questions. I was going to yeah. say, like, <laughs> I was I was going back. I was like, have I been in a reading where I ner- give, giggled nervously? And like, no, you don't make me. It's not that giggling nervously. It's like, it's like half a laugh. <laughs> like it comes out and they're like, wait, is it? I can't tell. And I, I mean, now it's like I take it as a compliment because it confused some. Yeah. You know, or yeah, I made yeah. them feel something that they felt uncomfortable feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's probably success of some kind. I think that is. <laughs> Amazing. Sorry, I'm such an asshole. That was an asshole thing to say, but no. I t- I try to take the it's more like I just try to take pleasure or praise when I can or, you know, like I try to it's so raw and vulnerable when you're out there giving a reading. Like it's just yeah. um um 
I mean, I know that there are real her- heroes in the world, but it always feels like a minor act of bravery <laughs> to get up in front of a room full of people and present your work. I mean, I'm right. always always a little bit nervous. I'm mostly cool, but I always have that moment just before where my heart starts racing no matter what. And um, and so I – but I've been doing this for 14 years. Yeah. So I still have – I. I'm try to take comfort where I can and recognize the signs that think that something's happening. Something's happening, I think, is even m- makes you feel like you did something right. Just a little, any kind of response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm all. I'm sincerely always amazed that anyone ever gives a shit. Like, really, <laughs> truly grateful that anyone reads my work, shows up to see me. Want you know? It's easy enough to like respond to things on social media, but the actual showing up for me is like physically showing up either like in an audience or buying my book and really um, committing to, to supporting me and at least, you know, and again, in like a small, a small way, but it means a lot. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I feel like I've, I've known you for 10 years. And so yes. I've I've been to a fair share. You have. You get a, you get a gold star. You get a Thank gold you. friend star. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about Family Secrets. Oh my gosh! I just saw that you. Have, I looked at your notes and I saw Succession on there. Oh, we should absolutely talk about Succession. I'm so. We don't have to, but no, we must. I just the word popped out of me because I all I've done is like think about Succession since the season finale a couple of days ago. I it was a couple of days ago, right? It was on Sunday, or was yes, it yeah, it was like. I mean, I just can't get over it. Did you watch it? You watched yeah, it. Yeah, of, of course I did. So we should say that now I'm going to turn the tables on you for a second is that Maris does this thing on, on, on the <laughs> internet where she does tag yourself, what, you know, which, who are you in this or what are you in this episode of Succession? It was like one of my favorite things to do on the internet when Succession comes on. Well, it was just so funny because I, I really didn't mean to start a thing, but there was, in the episode when Kendall just like lays off an entire media company <laughs> like without a care, but then feels bad about it. And so goes and shoplifts a, a set of batteries from a bodega and yeah. then throws them in the trash. I was like, yes, that is my spirit animal. Those batteries in that trash can are my spirit animal. Um, and so then it. Yeah, it was so good. It's very fun to do. It's a very, it's, I mean, I really, at the beginning of the season was like, I don't really think that I want to watch this next season. Like this season was definitely better than the Mm -hmm. first season. Like they really, they really upped their game. But I definitely like, I don't, I was like, I don't know if I can spend time with these people. Like they're just such terrible people, like worse people than my characters. Oh yes. For sure. Oh yes. And I actually was writing this book when the first season of Succession came out and I remember what, or I had like caught up on it. I hadn't watched it. Like it was in the summer when I was finishing it and I was like, oh, sh-. like, cause they're not <laughs> the same, but there's, 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 there's some sort of thread that's going on between the Tuckmans. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and, and the, the Royce. Um, yeah. I mean, as as the patron saint of dysfunctional families, what do you think is going on in, in succession? It's, <laughs> I don't know, and that's what I love about it. No, I love the, the season finale. Or can we talk about it? I guess, I mean, we'll say spoilers. Spoiler you, alert. Spoiler alert if you haven't watched the season finale. But um, I – well, the, my favorite thing about it was that I mean, there were so many favorite things about it, but why, what really blew me away was that they, it was like such a long con from the first season. 
Yeah. Like that the two seasons were so thoroughly connected, which is so hard to do. Yeah. And I think that when you think about how many big TV shows that run for a long time where like think about Lost where they like clearly just were making shit yeah, up. As they sure and I feel like even Sopranos as an example, like I don't know if every if season by season they knew what that what the I mean maybe in his mind he knew what the end game was for Tony, but I don't think that necessarily all this all everything there were like all these threads that right going through but successfully as a two season arc it was just it just impressed me so much from a story, yeah. storytelling perspective and then i just really love um roman and jerry they're really uh, you know a super cute terrible couple i, like, I really may december but is it if it's if female? it's i don't know if the reverse is tr- i don't is that just then cougar may. <laughs> I do not like that word. I hate all. it. The older I get, I do the less I like I that know. word. <laughs> they don't have a name for that for men. It's just man. A man dates a younger woman, but for if a woman dates a younger man, she has to She's be an animal. put into a box. Okay, I just <laughs> want to say like one thing that is the that I was thinking about in terms of um the difference between these two. Yeah. Is that I is that that if you look at the um characters on succession that it's it's primarily told through a male perspective yes whereas this book is primarily told through a female perspective and i and while i like admire succession so much but i was thinking about that and then the next show that follows it which i have watched two episodes of the gem gemstones oh i haven't started yet um but that is also primarily a male family with one daughter and so i'm like what do we have to do to kind of get a female Mm-hmm. You know, fan, like a matriarchy. And so the answer is that HBO will hire me. To <laughs> yes. <laughs> Full circle. You and me. Full circle. Yeah. So that's the only, that's the only thing about it is that I wish that there were, I mean, they do, they really up their game this season in terms of female representation, but mm-hmm. like, um, you, you know, you, you will see a, like a close up of, um, Shiv's face mm-hmm. and you'll and you and she's the only one who really gets the kind of the gaze out of out of out of any of the women so right. I, these are the things that i think about maris of course <laughs> like and when i started writing this book i was like i will not be having the men in there i just really did not i was not interested in it at all but then they came anyway it's fine they came they it's came better, it's a better book because but I you thought so of the in. women first and they do have the most page time yes they for do sure they do. I love it. Uh, very quickly, yes. tell me what else you've been reading. Oh, well, I have been reading um, – I was reading – I just finished Hodgman's book, which I really ha- – was delightful. It's because delightful. I had some stuff that I had to read and um, some like s- sort of more serious stuff and it was like – Oh, I, I just found myself going back to Hodgman's book and just not that it's light, but it's it's funny, right? It's funny. Um, so I did finish that. Um I I I have like maybe like a quarter of the way through um my time among the whites. Oh yes. Which is very good. I I have it sitting on a shelf and I would really like to pick it up and support that fucking book. Yes, completely. <laughs> um, and she – I had read some of the essays before in the New York Times. And so I was already like a fan of her work and had pre-ordered it and um, and and I'm enjoying it. Um, I, and just – I think 
I think I heard from you before I heard from anyone that there had been any sort of yeah. controversy surrounding that book. Yeah. Because um, she um, gave a talk at Georgia State um, and the like. some of the kids did not appreciate her talking about white privilege and so they set some of her books on fire afterward, which is just terrible. Which is just like – Ridiculous. I don't even understand what's going on. What's going on in America, I don't. Maris? I really don't know, but that's <laughs> uh, a good book to buy aside yeah, really from Jamie's. <laughs> yeah. And then I, uh, I had a – Poetry collection that I read called Hoodwitch by Felita Hicks Ooh. that I just blurbed. Um, that she sort of just, I, we followed each other on the internet and then, um, she asked me to do it and I read it and I really enjoyed it so much. Um, I don't know what else I, I'm reading. I'm just like reading my emails <laughs> right now. Like <laughs> sure. I'm just trying to, I have so much work to do and I've like, I'm on the road now for like the next, like, Basically, for the next six weeks with like a couple of days home here and there. And so I'm just, I'm in it now. Like, yeah, I'm, you on, are. I'm on the like, I'm on the path. And so I, I, it's that thing of like planning, like, all right, so I have a train ride between New York City and Washington, DC. And that's two and a half hours. And that's mm-hmm. how long it's going to take me to edit this thing or mm. do the student critique or whatever it is. And, you know, you can make the whole world your desk, though. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Go to any coffee shop in Brooklyn. You can take your conference call there. That's a I, that's appalling. <laughs> that is appalling. You know, I think we talked about this that I actually interrupt public conference calls. Good, I do. I say you can't. You cannot do this here. <laughs> you can't. You're not allowed to do. Or how, I, what I do is I say, how long is this going to take? <laughs> <laughs> that's even better. Yeah, it's like a little more passive aggressive. And they, right, and they don't really know the answer, do they? <laughs> they don't know how long is it going to take forever. Life is just one long conference, conference call. call for them, uh-huh. with you know trips to the bathroom. In <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We're just talking nonsense now, Maris. But. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We can we can wrap it up. We have we have to we have to nap before dinner. Yes. Oh, <laughs> we get to have our great turkey sandwich tonight. I'm so excited. Yeah. I had on my my publicist. I told my publicist that I was I had a dinner dinner plans with my friends to go eat this turkey sandwich that is like the greatest turkey sandwich ever. And then when she sent me my schedule, it said greatest turkey sandwich <laughs> Thursday night. I mean, th- that's a dangling <laughs> carrot. If there ever was one. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This is everything that I had hoped it would be. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Thank you for listening to the Maris Review, and check the show notes for the books we discussed on here today. And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.